Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Because we got the alternative energy on nuclear free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome. I'm KA and you're listening to The Radioactive Show recorded at 3CR in Fitzroy, Melbourne on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and broadcast across this stolen continent through the Community Radio Network. The Radioactive Show today is a double header. AC has done an interview with Sana Deswat from the Peace Brigade International about their work supporting human rights defenders in South America and Kenya. And to mark the sixth anniversary since the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant accident, I've interviewed Maki-san, who is the president of the Smile With Kids organisation based in Cairns. Smile With Kids supports students from Fukushima by giving them a holiday away from the radioactive contamination in their own hometown. On March 11, six years ago, following a major earthquake, a 15-metre tsunami disabled the power supply and the cooling of three Fukushima Daiichi reactors, causing the worst nuclear accident since Chernobyl. Chernobyl Aid in Ireland was established by A.D. Roach to give support and hope to children living in the aftermath of the 1986 Chernobyl nuclear disaster. And today I'm speaking with Maki-san from the Cairns-based organisation Smile With Kids, who, just like A.D. Roach, gives support and hope to the children living in the aftermath of the 2011 Fukushima nuclear disaster. Almost six years after the Fukushima plant suffered a triple meltdown, extremely high radiation levels are still being recorded inside a damaged reactor at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power station, Hi, Maki-san. Hi. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, very good. Um, Maki-san, can you tell us um, at the moment what it's like living in Fukushima today, six years on from the nuclear disaster? Yeah, it's been six years and um, people are still living uh, um, like 60 kids away or 80 kids away. People are still living normal life. And in the city, there's like radiation contamination pack just next to school or just put in the people's garden or so people still live next to it and then kids or parents are facing fear of radiation because they cannot see so still there are many problems. Mm-hmm. And the conditions, what are the conditions like for the children living in the area? Yeah, children um, before, just after the accident, they have a mask and then don't play outside. But now they start playing outside for limited time. Mm. And but the kids still worry about their health and then worry about their food. All depend, all depend family. But some some families still concern seriously and worry about and live in the fear. Sure, there must be a lot of fear and anxiety around living in the area. Yeah, 
Mm. So you're the um, president with the Cairns-based non-profit organisation Smile with Kids. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about this group's main aim and, and what, what you do with Smile with Kids? Uh, yeah, um, we established in 2014. Um, we aim to just bring children from Fukushima, just stay away from radiation, to come to bring to the Cairns nature. They can play outside, they can walk bare feet and then feel fresh air. And also they can release their stress and anger and anxiety, or they can release their emotional stuff too. Um, here, they can talk what they feel about it. Mm. So, um, so that's we aim to just raising money to bring children from Fukushima to Cairns for mm. refresh camp. Oh, fabulous. And and so there's eight students, I believe, coming this year from Fukushima um, yes. for the refresh camp. Can you tell us um, about these camps, Maki-san? Uh, yeah, this camp, uh, we're organising a visiting school, and then three days, um, Maliba Farm invited us to go there to stay, so we stayed there for two nights, and then stay Maliba Farm, and uh, we can experience the farm experience to mm. pick up lighty or clean up farm stuff like that. And also we go to Paronena Park mm. and then go to the another organic farm. We're just visiting uh, people and then talk to people and then kids, kids, every day they have a they do speech to local people so they can express their feeling and then let local people know what's happening in Fukushima. Oh, fantastic. Gosh, yeah. they must really love love coming over to Australia. Yeah, and they cannot swim in the ocean in Fukushima because of still radiation leak on the ocean. So mm. they can, we go to the lift, they can play, uh, swim in the ocean. Ah, oh, wonderful. And, mm. and when, so when do these students arrive? They arrive 25th of March. Mm-hmm. And how long do they stay for? Yeah, they stay till the 2nd of April. Oh, wow. So they get a really good uh, chance to have a, um, a stress-free uh, holiday Yes. Yeah. And um, and what do the students gain by coming to Australia, Maki-san? What, what students gain? Yeah. What do they take back to them when they go back to Fukushima, do you think? Uh, yeah, they go back to Fukushima. They, um, first of all, they are very inspired. Many people supported from Cairns. So they will see many people support them and feel them. And they are really... Um, appreciated about that yeah. and then they will talk after this program they had a speech in Fukushima and they will tell what they did or what other people did or what they changed so they um, like many people just want to improve English or things but they learn many more stuff mm-hmm. very difficult to express yeah. I that they, they can yeah they they feel many people's support because they think maybe people forgot about Fukushima already or things like that, but they inspire still many people support them. Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, one of the things why I wanted to interview this morning um, about um, Smile with Kids is that we don't forget the children that live in these um, highly radiated, polluted areas. Um, And so... Smile with Kids is organising an event for this year's anniversary of Fukushima and yes. it's called Japan Day of Hope. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit more about this event? 
Uh, yeah, this is uh, our seventh of event, Japan Love Hope, and all Japanese community get together to raise funds for support Fukushima kids. There are many Japanese food for sale and many Japanese performers like Kian's Taiko or like Japanese um, instrument Koto mm. or Japanese dance, Yosakoi dance or Zumba dance or many Japanese activity whole day on the stage program. And also Japanese like shogi experience or you can try any Japanese cultural things on the Event. Oh, it sounds fantastic. So if you are in the Cairns area, could you give us the date and the, the time of when when this will be, Maki-san? Yeah, 11th of March, Saturday, 11am to 4pm. Fabulous. It's Hill State School Performing Arts Centre. And is there um, a website that um, listeners can visit if they need more information or is there more information we can give out to any listeners in Cairns? Yeah, we have a Facebook, Japan Love Hope, Japan Love Hope.kizuna at Facebook. Fabulous. You can oh, see the Facebook or we have a website, Smile with the Kids. Oh, great. So if we Google Smile with Kids. Yeah, .com.au and then you can find that. Great. Um, yeah, if anyone can support Smile with the Kids, it will be much appreciated. And then or Smile with the Kids. We have a donation page, so if anyone can support, I'd be much appreciated. Yeah, great. So if people can um, donate to Smile with Kids, the money is to bring the students over from Fukushima and give them hope and support that we haven't forgotten the children of Fukushima, just like we haven't forgotten the children of Chernobyl. Um, and it's a, it's a fabulous organisation, Smile with Kids. Was Maki-san from Smile with Kids speaking about the stress of living in a radioactive contaminated area and supporting Fukushima children by bringing them out to Australia. This is KA and you're listening to The Radioactive Show. Next up we have AC interviewing Sana Despart, who is a country administrator with PBI Australia about their work protecting human rights defenders. Um, hi Sana, thanks for coming along and talking to us about PBI. Hi, AC. Thank you for having us. No problem. Um, what does PBI stand for? PBI stands for Peace Brigades International. So we um, are an international organization that um, helps protect human rights defenders that are being threatened with their lives. We've got programs or projects in five different countries um, that have field volunteers, so where people physically accompany human rights defenders that are being threatened, um, walk with them and observe. Mm -hmm. And then there's also two projects where we used to be more active and we've got um, a more, um, a different approach, I guess. There's no field field volunteers on the, on the ground anymore. Okay. And like, what are human rights defenders or who are human rights defenders? That's a good question. I guess, um, all kinds of people that stand up for for the, their rights. It could be um, environmental rights very often. Like I, I was part of the PBI Guatemala project a couple of years back, mm-hmm. and we mainly work with um, 
indigenous peasant communities that were standing up to um, big transnational companies, both in um, like what is that called palm oil or um, uh, even hydroelectric dams that were like supposed to flood a whole big piece of land where people were living, mm. um, a cement factory, mines, um, but also human rights lawyers that are taking on really big cases. And for example, in Guatemala, that was the ex-dictator um, that was what was sentenced for genocide. Okay. We accompanied the lawyer who took on his case, one of the lawyers. Wow. And so that was him and his family were in, in quite a bit of danger during that process. Okay. And how do you decide like where PBI is going to be active? So PBI is an international organization um, and we all, it's a horizontal organization, so we all uh, work by consensus decision making. Normally people go into the field researching um, researching the area and seeing if it's even viable for, for PBI to be there because we are we work with the principle of dissuasion. If we think that we have dissuasion in a place, which mainly um, as international um, citizens, we use our p- passport privilege mm. to, to dissuade governments. We see, for example, um, with um, narcotrafico, like with the drug cartels and stuff, we don't really have any dissuasion because they don't really care what other countries are saying about them, whereas with governments, and some governments more than than others, um, there is that, that pressure that if um, a national from another country gets hurt, um, there, there can be political consequences for mm-hmm. the host country. So that's the whole principle that, that our PBI accompaniment is based on that. Unfortunately, as a foreigner in, in those countries, um, where we work at the moment, you have your life is worth more than of a local human rights defender. Mm. Um, so we we work from that principle. So we'll have to investigate whether there's even any dissuasion if if the government is the main actor in mm-hmm. most of the human rights violations that are occurring, and as well if um, if they are sensitive. To international pressures, we we always work on petition. So we will have to have a request from human rights defenders from that country mm. to be able to even investigate. We only go in on petition of of the human rights defenders. As well, once we are established in a country, we only work on requests mm. of the human rights defenders, like please come and accompany us, or even per accompaniment. So um, come to this protest with us because we feel that this is going to be, we're going to be in danger here. There might be violence used against us. So with each accompaniment, we also um, analyze whether our our presence has any use. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of sort of potential harm that you could create by sending outsiders into a conflict area. Yeah. 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 How do you kind of address those, that risk? Like I guess um, being being there on petition, like mm. or in, an invitation of local human rights defenders, we are also 
there with the acknowledgement of the government. Mm. Um, at least in Guatemala, there was in the 80s during the dictatorship of Rios Montt, there was this invitation to international um, NGOs to come in and have a look mm. how not bad it was, although it really was. Um, and so we, as an organization, are often quite well organized in, in having all our paperwork um, in check. Um, so we are we are within the legitimacy of the of the government, and that also um, limits our our ability to denounce. For example, we cannot just denounce the government. We always um, what we practice is is um, silent diplomacy. Mm. So we have a lot of uh, we liaison with a lot of the embass- embassies in the country um, to express our, our worries about human rights. Um, violations that we are observing and um, also outside. So, for example, the PBI uh, Guatemala project has a representative in Brussels that lobbies and advocates to the um, European Parliament. Mm-hmm. So they will they will um, express their concerns there, but we can't directly denounce because that would um, kind of seize our existence within the country itself, and then we can't, cannot do our job anymore. So um, how, how would people get involved if they wanted to put their name forward to potentially? So that's, yeah, that's where the, the country groups kind of come in. There's mm-hmm. about 16 country groups all over the world at the moment. Um, the thing with, with um, PBI and the project that we have at the moment is that four out of five are Spanish-speaking. Okay. So that kind of limits it a little bit for some people that don't speak Spanish, then there's only the Kenya project that they can apply for. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the projects hold twice a year a selection round, so that's still um, quite regularly. So um, keep an eye on our um, Facebook page and on, on our website, pbi-australia.org. Mm-hmm. Um, keep an eye out. And click on the on the Facebook page, and we'll give you any updates about um, applications that are open. Or go to the international um, website, which is peacebrigades.org, and there you will find all the information about all the projects. And you can get in touch with them straight away. What we do with um, PBI Australia is for people in Australia in in different um, regions. We've got ex-volunteers that have been in a project and that are willing to have a chat, have a coffee, and talk about their experience to see if it's something that you would like to get involved in, because it's not for everyone. Mm. Um, and it's probably a good idea to have a have a chat and, and see if that's something that you would like to do. That was Sana de Svart of PBI, an international observer organisation that accompanies human rights defenders so they can undertake their work with a reduced risk of violence. Okay, and just before we go, we have a news flash for you. I have AC with me, and uh, you're feeling pretty angry at the moment, AC. Yeah, we just heard this week that Envi- Federal Environment Minister um, Frydenberg has decided to give approval for the Mulga Rocks proposed uranium mine um, just east of Kalgoorlie. Um, 
It's a bad decision. I think we can all agree on that one. Yeah, it's pretty irresponsible and it seems like it's been fast-tracked. Yeah, well, it's happened just days before the um, WA state election and um, it's looking like an election where the Liberals are going to take a dive, um, lose control of the government. Labour government's got to get in with a policy of banning uranium mining um, and they're just trying to sneak this one in. Yeah, well, it's... um... It's pretty full on, but the project does not have final approval to begin construction and it's not economic, economically viable and it doesn't have social licence to operate and there's no bipartisan political support for this sector in WA. So um, it's a long way from uh, a conditional environmental approval to, to actually operating mine. Yeah, and I think that conditional thing is important and what, I mean, both of us have been following this for a number of years and what you've seen with the um, the state government approval and the um, obviously the federal government approval, which has been so fast-tracked, is instead of actually looking into things and making sure that there's a closure plan, um, there, you know, there's a lot of unresolved kind of issues, but instead of um, the reason why it's conditional is that those things are still up in the air and then they've shifted that responsibility to determine that those things are in place to departments within, you know, the environment portfolio or the state government. So mm. that conditional, yeah, it's not a final final approval at all. Sure. And obviously didn't take into our account um, the little action that we had uh, down at his office um, where Aunty Vicky uh, McKay presented him with, um, you know, with her voice from the desert and obviously has not taken any word from from her ask because she one of the things that I picked up that she asked for was him to come out onto country and and talk to the traditional owners. So, and how can you make these decisions if you haven't been out there? Like, <laughs> totally. how can you? How can they possibly yeah. make this decision if they've never set foot on, out on the land that they're proposing to I know. dig up? And particularly Mulga Rock, it's you know pristine. It's a pristine environment. It's upstream from the Queen. Victoria Springs Class A, you know, nature reserve. Like, and and uh, yeah, it it amazes me that this, um, you know, minister, I don't think would have been out into some of these areas at all. Um, no. And it's it's yeah, what a shame that um, that has happened. The area is home to rare and endangered species. Yeah, so a bit of bit of an angry mood today. Yeah, yeah. But we it's been some awesome interviews. Yeah, absolutely. So just bringing it back to Australia that um the news flash was that uh Mulga Rock has been uh granted um federal approval and uh but there it's still as we said long way to go before it the um up and running. So, you know, big shout out to stay strong to all all the mob out there and uh all the other greenies that are fighting it. And that's all for this week's show where you heard interviews with Maki San from Smile With Kids and Sana Desfart from Peace Brigades International. This show was recorded at 3CR Community Radio Station in what is now known as Fitzroy, Melbourne, but which has always been and always will be the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. You can contact the Radioactive Show on our email radioactiveshow.3cr at g mail.com or look up our Facebook page under the name The Radioactive Show. Past episodes are available on the 3CR website or you can go to www.3cr.org.
www.radioactive.org.au backslash radioactive and that's a three, the digit three, three CR. The track you heard in the background of today's show is Circles by Rosie Mischief, which you can listen to for free on her SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com backslash rosie-mischief-11. And we'll finish off with the same track by Rosie Mischief. Thanks for listening and here's to a nuclear-free future.
must negotiate with my native title government or anyone on, on our culture, on, on our land. You know, if people say, oh, you're going to finish up with nothing, well then so be it. But at least our hearts will tell us that we did not sell out our country and our culture and heritage for a few scungy dollars. Subscribe to 3CR so that your dollars support Indigenous voices and the struggle for land justice. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.